Rurapente. There is no stockade, no guard tower, no electronic frontier. Only a magnetic shield prevents beaming. Punishment means exile from prison to the surface. On the surface, nothing can survive. Work well, and you will be treated well. Work badly, and you will die. Now, whom pods destroy. Hello, and welcome to Whom Pods Destroy. We're back again with a happy new year, Year of the Tiger, because um, we missed uh, January because we're recording this in February. And I'm here with my two great compatriots who are the knowledge of the universe instead of the great bird of the galaxy of the universe Terry, Hello. the felon, Hello. and Graham Sipley. Hello! And before I forget, it's Derek Mantle here <laughs> as your as your host. We've come back, and uh, as we said last time, with Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Uh, the last episode, we did Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, uh, which was our Christmas turkey to you. Um, and this time, we're back with, I think, a stonking episode. Don't you, chaps? A stonking film, I should say, not an episode. Well... In comparison to to Final Frontier, yes, it's a, it's it's an incredible piece of work. <laughs> um, in fact, it's Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah. in in in, um, in comparison to, to to the other films, it's it's a perfectly serviceable Star Trek film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think I, it's a bit slightly more than serviceable. I, I've always thoroughly enjoyed this film. There's bits about it that uh, that I think are a bit odd. It's it's evocative of Wrath of Khan. It's uh, bringing back Nick Mayer to sort of repair the the, the, the franchise and restore a bit of honour, I think, to the Star Trek movies after Star Trek V, which had been a, a colossal disappointment all round. Uh, and I, I find it a more than enjoyable romp, a, a, a movie of some substance. I mean, this came out in, was it December, Christmas time, 1991? So it was the 30th anniversary. And Terry mentioned this in the last episode, um, that you know that this episode, what this film was, the 30th anniversary film, but the lead up to it because Star Trek V was such a stinker, really, for the men at the top at Paramount. Uh, it didn't make as much money as they expected it to. After all the money that they put into it, the um, it was it was panned by by critics and fans alike, and it was said that probably that was the end of the franchise, but. With such a wonderful franchise like Star Trek, obviously the guys at the top decided to come back with this, uh, with, with Star Trek. But their original idea for, for, for Star Trek VI wasn't going to be what we've ended up with. Does anyone know much about the sort of lead-up to yeah, Star Trek? Yeah, it's um, the... Well, Harv Bennett wanted this to be uh, a, a prequel. He wanted to, this to be going back to, to Starfleet Academy which is an idea that Roddenberry hated and on the original cast hated because they wouldn't be in it. <laughs> um, the, there was, I think, John Cusack was lined up to be Spock in it. Oh, I really? Think. I didn't know um, that. Yeah. I've so, seen some sketches. Yeah. 
I went, when I went to a convention that, um, to coincide with an anniversary of, of, of Undiscovered Country, there was a lecture on it, and I yeah. saw some sketches of some preliminary designs of the Starfleet Academy movie. Yeah, so and, of course it was made in 2009, wasn't it, really? Effectively, yes. it was an idea that they, that, they, that, that, that they obviously fancied, but obviously was a little ahead of its time. So that was the, was the, the, the real push behind it. It comes out. It's the twenty fifth anniversary that it, it, it comes out. Oh, sorry. I, yeah. I, yeah. So, I <laughs> it, 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 but it's the twenty fifth anniversary of Star Trek when it when, when it comes out, and uh, of course the next generation is going great guns. It's in its fifth season, and the launch of the film pretty much coincides with um, unification. The, mm. the 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 double well, part. It's, it's a canonic misborn. The coincidence. Yeah. Unification is seen as being a backdoor sort of you know yeah. promo for. Well, a, it is, isn't it? It's got Spock in it, and, and and it refers to a lot of the stuff that happens in this film. Mm. So they're they're almost it's almost like a crossover situation you have here. You could almost think that that you that yeah they've decided to give the movies another go a a, a proper send off. Actually. It's really the success of Next Gen that really allows them to 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 get another film because they really don't deserve one after after Final Frontier, do they? The Final Frontier. When we mentioned it last time, where we had like the the trio of the main cast, mm. you know, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and it seemed like they were playing really, really dodgery old guys who were who were at the end of their te- you know the end of their life really. I suppose you know. It's, Shatner obviously was still climbing rocks and all doing all that sort of stuff, but it it, it just it just really sort of was quite hokey, you know, mm. especially the bean sequence at the you know, <laughs> around the campfire uh, and our uh, horrible singing last time we were, we were here. Um, but so this actually to me seems when I finally finished watching the film, as we'll go along, seemed to be the proper farewell that had seemed that it was coming up to in the, in, in, in the you know, the, the final frontier. This was a, a really good way to say, you know, fa- thank you for all the, 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 you know, the original cast and, you know, an end to one part of the franchise. And obviously, as uh, Graham has said, the next generation had picked up the, the baton and that was always the plan was to sort of like you know that th- this was going to be the send-off obviously um and, and graham is absolutely right i mean i think if, if these things only happen because of the commercials and they thought well with next gen doing so well let's 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 have one last movie and at, at that point they they're, they're thinking well we'll hand the project back to leonard nimoy <laughs> You know, there's a there's a story about him and Harv Bennett going going for a walk along a beach somewhere, presumably in California, discussing what they were going to do with this movie and what they were going to do next with this film, um, and then conceiving of this idea of retelling a, a retelling the sort of end of the Cold War narrative that was obviously all the rage at the time, and and talking about moving the moving the Klingon Empire forward and creating the circumstances for the Klingon Empire that we understand as Next gen viewers, while at the same time saying goodbye to to the to, to the old crew and and moving them on, and I think what we got and it was obviously the most sensible thing that they did was 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 get Nicholas Mayer back in to direct the movie, who'd done Wrath of Calm. Bearing in mind that the studio, although we were obviously 
fine with doing this movie, but didn't give them a great deal of money. But they made some quite sensible choices. Getting Nick Mayer back in, getting ILM back in to do the effects as well was a very, very smart move too. Um, because the movie looks gorgeous, even though it's a it's 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 a, a, a low budget. At this point, ILM are absolutely humming and they're able probably to work. They've got all this, still the models and everything all there. Though, so they could just reusing it and, and, it, and it looks really, really good. And originally the plan would be that, the, that actually the crew had already disbanded um, and we're in semi-retirement mm. or another post because there's a sequence that's been that, that was filmed that was not filmed that was scripted and storyboarded where Kirk gets the gang back together again. Kirk and Spock get the gang back together again to to to, to go off on the, the the final Klingon mission to instigate peace. So the old roundup again. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a bit like that kind of a kind of a bit of a magnificent seventy or just a just a getting the old bang back together again thing I think is more of it. But but even that proved to be too too expensive to do and so to cut down on the number of sets they just did it the way that they did it. And that's the clunkiest part of the movie I think. The bit at the in the C and C and some of the dialogue that follows on from there almost sounds like it was written for those scenes that were never filmed yeah in that there's the in the kind of well you know it's to hang on a second you guys are already here but why are you talking like you haven't seen each other for a while and and it was a there was a bit of that going on but but you know otherwise you know i think the, the film is, is is very very smoothly scripted so if we go back to the to the actual storyline as we view it i mean we start off with uh, the introduction with some interesting music which harks back to sort of uh, I would say there's a, there's a lot of um, the planets again in, in this sort of things and the Star Wars the Star Wars bit of music as it's introducing um, we've got a new composer um, which I don't know particularly much about but um, I no neither you know, do I you know I don't, he didn't do much afterwards Cliff Eisenman no. yeah but it was yeah. a, it's a brilliant score yeah. um, but he didn't do much afterwards um, but it really because it immediately sets the tone. This yeah. is the great thing about this movie is, is it gets on with it. <laughs> like this movie just gets on with it. Like a modern movie would like have a, there'd be there'd be like a five minute cold open sort of like from about ten years past or something like that to try and set it. I mean this just goes straight on that really dark moody, you know, o- o- ominous music, you know, mm. straight into it. Oh, Credits yeah. and then massive explosion in space. And it's like we're on this. This is the kind of movie that you're going to be watching, and it's and, and it's it's really really good. They, um, they, they wanted uh, Horner, but he was he had moved on to, to he'd moved on to better things, yeah. and, he, and he and he told them as much. And Jerry Goldsmith didn't want to touch it after five. He thought, no, I don't want to be involved in another another turkey. No, but I mean, and it was, but it was great because I mean, in the in the way that they gave Horner the break in in Wrath of Khan, it yeah. looked like they were giving Cliff Idleman the break. I, mean, I, I may be doing him a service. He may the service. He may have gone into. Uh, I'm assuming that he's made a career out of music. But I, I was, I'm surprised he's not done as many scores as he did because it was a, it's a cracking score mm. that enhanced the film and, 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 and like all good, you know, good Star Trek scores, lifts the movies, you know, covers over the movies, mm. you know, modest budget and other shortcomings. I think it does something as well because those, those opening credits, I think they, they settle the viewer down, especially Definitely. if they've gone 
if they'd gone into this in, with, in trepidation after the last yeah. film and thinking, oh god, what are they going to do this stuff? And then all of a sudden, you've got this this music that really is quite low key at the beginning. You see, it's very yeah. very slow and and ominous. Yeah, and and yet it, it sort of it rewards the uh, the listener though, because it, it brings you in and you think, right, okay, they're, they're, they, this is out. Sounds like they put a bit of thought into this. Yeah. I love it how they, and because they just get straight on with the movie. They know the last movie was a stinker, and it's like we've got no time with this audience. We're, so it grabs them with the music, and the credits come thick and fast. So it's like, boom, boom, Star Trek Six. Here are the actors. Here are the people who wrote it. Here's the crescendo of music, and now is a massive explosion, and we're on with the film. And 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 we're all like, okay, cool, we're we're in this movie, and we and it keeps you in it all the way through. So. Uh, it, I, I watched it when I, I, I remember vividly watching this at the at the pictures and being engaged with this film all the way through to the very end, and not in a kind of geeky. I'm a Star Trek fan, and I have to absorb everything. With it. this was a this was a film that I was watching with a story and a plot, and with good characters and good characterization, mm. and and a satisfying ending. I think it holds up now, definitely, because I mean this is this is a film that it will still be on television, and it's like one of the old big films, blockbuster films, you would sit down to as a family or maybe even if it was on like on a, a Sunday afternoon, you know, after after your your lunch or anything like that. And mm. people would actually... And I still think that this is actually a really good family family film. And and as you said, it just... it, it There isn't any fat on the begin... Uh, right at the beginning. There isn't the CC... As you said, it's a bit clunky in the, in the yep. next scene. Um, but, you know, it really does... You know, as you said, set the scene, and there's quite a lot of scene changes, even without the budget mm. that they've got. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in here. We and, get a good look you know, around the Enterprise as yeah. well, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the sets on on the Enterprise are, are redressed <laughs> ones from from next gen, so they are they they're benefiting from that quite a bit. Mm. Um, and why wouldn't you? Well, so why wouldn't you? But you... also as well because you've got the the production expertise there as well for the because they are fully in their stride. I mean, season five is probably the best one out in there. Yes, <laughs> that's a real good point. I mean, you're right, and and you've got you've got the expertise of 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 Nick Meyer who's able to to produce you know relatively good stories from low budget films, mm. and it's a, certainly an upgrade on rummaging around the bins. Yeah, which they were doing with sure. with Wrath of with Wrath of Khan. So yeah, uh, but I, 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 I still think there are problems with the script. Mm. I think you can see it as well. If I think if you're not really closely examining the film, it's fine. The film will, can just can just pass on, and 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 you'll be fine. But when you start actually looking at it. Um, and perhaps you shouldn't really take a closer look at these sort of things. But then you start seeing where the script has problems and it's had multiple rewrites. And I think like there's the, like the first draft. I don't think any of it is actually used in the film. And there's there's lots of uh, there was lots of wranglings with the screenwriters guild about who gets um, credits on it on it and who doesn't. Well, the writer credit is 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 uh, Lennon Nimoy. Yeah, and the two other he guys, had to fight for it. Yeah, but those other two other guys didn't do anything to this script. Hasn't got anything any bits that they actually sort of no. suggested it no at all. But they worked yeah. on earlier drafts, yeah. so yeah. they still get they still get credit. Yeah. So yeah, but know. the screenplay is uh, Maya and Denny Martin Flint, isn't it? Yeah. So, but it might well be that the screenplay yeah, may well have been written. 
mm. on the hoof. Yeah. But the, the, there are lots of, of lines that a lot of the actors, uh, well, uh, um, a lot of the black actors had, had problems with. So Brock Peters, uh, when he has his, his, his piece in the early part of it, mm-hmm. uh, apparently that took a lot of takes because he really wasn't comfortable with the, with, with the lines that, that he was being given. Yeah. And the, what was the problem with them? Was it the content, the it subject was the, matter? It was the, it was the, the, it was the, uh, the context. Yeah, the context, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Michelle Nichols also uh, refused a couple of lines in, in there as well. Well, the big one she refused was the um, one that uh, Walter Coney. Yeah, up. guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that as a slightly separate topic because yeah the, the, you're, you're right about the, about those about the script uh, mm. I mean those are deliberately put in mm-hmm. presumably as an attempt to convey the metaphor of, of the movie yeah. uh, and, and and I mean I don't necessarily see that as a problem with the script I consider that to be a problem with the with the with the story and the and, and the message of the movie which, yeah. is, uh, we, we, which we, is we can come on and talk about that later but one one of the key things is is in the is in the very end and I know I'm jumping towards the end here but but the the whole thing about the the um rebuilding the uh, the photon torpedo because we we look at the at the gaseous anom- anomalies where in the earliest scenes it's the Excelsior that's that's been spending three years looking at gaseous anomalies, and all of a sudden um, we've got all this. Uh, it's Kirk saying we've got all this equipment to look at gaseous anomalies. No, that's that's on the yeah, Excelsior. That's the Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because in the original script it was meant to be the Excelsior that that that, that comes up with this this plan. But right. but Shatner said actually no, I don't want that. I, it's, I've got to be the hero here. We, yeah, we, we've got to come up with this. The, the, the Sulu's involvement and Excelsior's involvement in this movie is odd because yeah. it's clearly they've they've gone to the effort. They've even got Christian Slater in to do a cameo. They've gone to the effort of setting this up with the Excelsior, but you're never entirely certain. It feels as though there was there was a, more due to happen with this with Excelsior and Sulu in this movie feels slightly and also because we know that Shatner and and George Takei don't enjoy a, a good relationship and didn't for for many decades in fact that you wonder if there might have been a bit of that going on as well. Because it's yeah. quite funny that in Star Trek Two, the original uh, script actually had um, Sulu as a captain, didn't didn't mm. it? And so this was the playoff. To, and you've got, you got the same director coming back and saying. But the story is, is that the, the story is, is that the pivotal scene in which that's explained was deliberately junked by by Shatner. He ruined the scene. In two. In two. That's really? the story. Yeah. Okay. This is the story that George Takai has been saying. I say it's a story. I mean, I'm not saying it's a, it's fictional, but this is the this is the thing. And so yeah, and they so they so they junked the scene because it wasn't it was no good and mm. and that never happened. Um, uh, not in canon anyway until until sex. But you can see where the problems with scripts happen mm-hmm. because of the egos of the of the people who take part. Mm. You've also got the ego of of Gene Roddenberry in the background who will um, put the kibosh on elements of the script that he doesn't like as well. Well, yeah, I mean there must yeah. have been because there must have been elements that I mean obviously it's quite well known that he he, he vetoed um, Valerius's character being actually Savic. Yeah. Uh, which I I don't know if that's a good thing or not actually. Uh, I mean, because I, I, we got we had Cartwright as the traitor, which I thought was a nice touch, given you know that Cartwright was a good guy in yeah. in, mm-hmm. in, in four. And I wonder whether or not it would have been too much if it, if Savick had turned out to be a uh, turned out to be a traitor as well. Um, but it just somehow I mean Kim Cattrall does an excellent job as Valerius, and it's a very very memorable role. 
but you, I, I, it's one of those things you'll never know. But uh, you can't help feel that an opportunity was missed. But the interesting thing about that is that he seemed to be okay with some of the some of the the dialogue and the and and the use of racist tropes in in, in this movie, yeah. Yeah. which I would have thought he would have been against because I can see that... what they were talking about while using them. I know what they were trying to achieve, but Roddenberry is always of the view that we've we've moved beyond that. Yeah, by well, now. Well, so one line that, that that Nichelle Nichols flatly refused to say was, um, "Would you want one marrying your daughter?" Really? Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. I didn't know that either. And that, yeah. So that so appara- apparently got into the script and the Shill Nichols just, just, yeah. just flatly removed. Oh, right. Yeah. So, right. And wasn't, so. Isn't there something about um, James Doohan had a line about the the Klingon bitch or something like that? Or yeah. so that's that's in the that's in that makes it back into the director's cut. Yeah. He also says in there, he says they don't hold the same value of life as we do. Yeah. You know that, Spock. And and then there's like there's guests who's coming to dinner yeah. and then Burke and Samuel who are in fairness bad guys who who say you know they all you know they all look alike and, and you know, what about the smell and these are you know contemporary racist tropes they yeah. were they were contemporary racist tropes in 1991 and that's they why are they're now. used yeah and that's why they're used but it is it's it's near the knuckle and you yeah. have to ask whether or not the, the usage of that those tropes was fully justified because this is, I think, the biggest problem with the movie, is that Shatner's prejudice, Shatner's racism, is un- is understood via because of the death of his son, and and the crew's racism towards the Klingon is understandable because of their experience with the Klingons, and it's a and a message to get from that is that war messes people's minds, it decivilizes you, and 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 it can turn you into a bigot and, and into a racist, and that's a good message to convey. Shatner, on the other hand, Kirk has the privilege of his character arc completing that journey, yeah. coming to the end of it, and the moment of re- realization in Repente when he thinks. I've been an absolute twat. I've been a, I've been a, a bigot and a racist, and and I've I am the reason why we are we are here, and that that is a satisfying moment, and it justifies, you know, his bigotry. But the other characters don't get that arc because mm. they're always shockingly underdeveloped. Those characters, and I want, and I think it was a mistake to imbue that racism, frankly, on those minor characters if you weren't going to let them close that off. Yeah. And there were opportunities in the script to have done so at no extra cost, and it's it's disappointing that that they didn't do that. And that is probably that's the second most disappointing thing about this movie. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, quite a few of the secondary cast were actually quite unhappy with, as as we said, Nichelle Nichols and sort of like the, the racist sort of like uh, line dialogue, but also Walter Koenig hated actually being on, on this because he thought that his character was, as you said, really underdeveloped compared to previous films. He was a useful idiot. Yeah, he was yeah, useful. He was idiot. an idiot. Yeah, he was, he was, he, he was in the previous movie he was head of security and he didn't even realise what happens when you let a phaser <laughs> off in the in the yes. kitchen. I mean that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's poor. It's poor but, but that's yeah. like being fairness that's fan and fan that's fan yeah. knowledge to yeah. be fair. Yeah. I mean like yeah. your average audience goer is not gonna but considering that sort of like Star Trek Five, um, a lot of the cast actually really enjoyed working under Shatner, from what I, you know, yeah. what, we, what we read. But, this but that was part of the problem because yeah. the part of the problem was they all got their bit, and the trouble is when you give someone everyone a bit in what is basically just a a, a longer episode, you you it, the the script suffers, the the storytelling suffers because mm-hmm. you're you're giving it so many cameos. 
Um, so uh, I think that's that's the real the real problem with it. Really. But going back to cameos, yeah, I, I mean the actual, the beginning of the film, we are introduced to peop- actors we had already seen before, and some yeah. good actors like yeah. David Warner, you know, and yes. um, you know who who does come back again in in Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, you know, and he's still a brilliant actor. And uh, thank thank God he's still with us. Is he? You know, he is. Yes, I thought he'd gone. Huh? No, oh, no, okay, right. Well, there you go. Oh, we should be playing our, our uh... dead or alive. Okay. We'll have to play. Well, we won't. We won't. We won't have to play. One. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and Christopher Plummer, obviously, was, yeah. was one of the other ones who was che- chewing the scenery. He was brilliant. He's even brilliant. even more than Shatner. Yeah. He was, uh, probably the only actor who could get away with chewing this out uh, with overacting, outacting um, Shatner. Great mates. Because they're old mates. Yeah. They are. They're old mates. They're both Canadians. Aren't both they? Canadians. Yeah. Um, and when he was a, a young actor in, 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 in Canada, he was understudy to Christopher Plummer for a lot of Plummer's Shakespearean roles. Uh, apparently, he, he led on a tour of Edinburgh. Uh, he led in King Lear uh, on the first night, uh, so it was, it was William Shatner who who, who was there first, and then and then Christopher Plummer took over over from him. Did Shatner play Lear? Yeah, that would have been something to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it's a, 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 but apparently for a number of Shakespeare. So the whole thing of of Shakespeare uh, bouncing the, the the lines off each other. You can just imagine that that that, that this is conversations that the two of them have yeah. had actually in real life. And the chemistry. I mean, the chemistry is is there. I mean, the the the, the dinner scene is is yeah. such a memorable scene. Yeah. Uh, and, and and where it works, where the where, where where that racist tension, racial tension works in that in that scene as well. Uh, but just David Warner, I mean the the, the beaming scene where he's just standing there, beams in, and then uh, and it's beautiful, it's beautiful direction, beautiful mm. camera work, and he's just like in his eyes, the the light got the the lights caught there at his eyes perfectly, and he's com- for a few, just a few seconds he's completely immobile, statuesque, and exuding sort of power and otherworldliness and genuinely genuinely alien and it's and for the klingons for which we are we are a race for which we are very familiar even then very familiar that's quite difficult to pull off i think and it still holds up now it's, it's one of my one I, I still really enjoy i remember when the bbc first showed star trek 6 because back then there weren't that many tv tv channels and so you remembered bbc trailers and they used that as the as as their trailer for when they were showing Star Trek Six, uh, to preview it because uh, not clearly you know they thought that's 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 brilliant we'll have that and it's really really good the atmosphere in this movie it's just crackles it's just such an enjoyable movie on that so so we're led from the um, the, the the banquet and then we're led into the sort of the main part of the story which is the assassination attempt which is the string that goes through it. When it becomes a detective story as well, mm. so you've got like a film which is an, a, a, a great sort of um, adventure film with a bit of you know starships, which we all love, the characters, and now we've got a detective story, a conspiracy, um, and obviously we've got the uh, analogy to what was happening in the Soviet Union at the time in you know the real world. Mm. Um, so. It's quite interesting how they you know, they melded all these bits and pieces. I'm not too sure if it was as, as effective as all that because I was enjoying the detective part of it, uh, and then you've you've got the oh well, you've even got a trial <laughs> as well. So now we're hitting all of the the points with like uh, American TV 
Because yeah. it is a, it, it, it's a film, but it's actually a TV yeah. episode as well. But it seems that you're grabbing bits and pieces from all over the place. <laughs> we've even got like our, our another cameo where we've got Michael Dawn in in, yeah. in there as well. As an, uh, I remember at the time being quite excited because obviously I was into Star Trek: The Next Generation and seeing how that the, the crossover to the Next Generation was also being written in there. Is it a case of it's a hodgepodge, or is it actually very well? Put together with the ingredients. I, I think it's it, it's an interesting observation. I I like the the the, the fact that it goes from being detective story to um, courtroom drama to prison break. Uh, it, it's all. It, I don't think of it as a as a sort of a potpourri of 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 cinematic tropes. I think it or TV tropes more more, uh, more accurately. I think it is. It it just is a good way of stringing together the story and I think it works really well because it allows the actors to 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 really explore the the, the roles in the film because there is the underlying role of of the uh, I'm 3 months from from retirement which is a, a nice sort of like lethal weapon type um, callback just 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 to keep keep the rating down they don't say I'm getting too old for this shit but they really are aren't they uh, but I think it works really well in in that. I mean, the courtroom drama is great because the 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 staging of it, the fact you've got that Klingon flag that looks almost exactly like a Nazi flag, mm. um, the strange Gandalf figure who with his with his metal hand banging his 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 gavel down. With, yeah, and. <laughs> 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 And and yeah, you've got Christopher Plummer there, there and Michael Dorn being the the uh, the advocates there, which which is which is brilliant. I I I love that that scene. And then you go to to the to to the prison. And considering that the the sets in this are cheap, they're not they're not lavish, but they use they they work well with the restrictions that they've got. And I think even with the in, in the in the prison, which. If you're trying to 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 get this across, you can it can, it could have looked really bad, and uh, and you can see the joints if you really look hard enough. But we, yeah, well, I mean, it's but, interesting you say that because yeah, yeah you're right. The, the 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 construction of the prison itself isn't perhaps yeah, you're right. You could probably see it if you look hard enough. But it's I forget where it was open. It's a location shot. It's not a studio. So mm. they basically found this kind of like hole in the ground, and and they I think they did a lot of the filming at night time. So it's an open. There's no there's, 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 and oh. that's where you're getting all the all this light coming, all oh. this non-light, all the darkness coming in, and it's and 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 it's one it's covering up a multitude of sins. What well, same time but it's adding an awful lot of, of atmosphere that you wouldn't have got you'd have to try hard to get on a soundstage interestingly there's an episode of enterprise you may have seen it's in the fourth season where they where they go back to Rurapente, where jonathan archer gets sent to Rurapente, and they reconstruct the scene although obviously not not the same stage because mm. they, they just use it on a stage on stage nine presumably on the paramount and it's terrible it looks awful, yeah. and, it, and it's got nothing. Obviously, it's a TV show, and the budget's much, much lower. But nevertheless, it does give you an indication of just how the difference between what a what a movie is capable of do, doing and what yeah. a TV show isn't. And it was it was quite disappointing. It was a very unsatisfying episode in general, mm. in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, Europe I think, is incredibly clever use of use of a small amount of space mm. um, incredibly atmospheric and and some very memorable scenes i think with just the right amount of humor yeah. to keep not to stop it from being unremittingly grim yeah you know because I, I i think by the time we get to to this in the early 90s we've already seen um 
uh, Temple of Doom and uh, and uh, Beautiful Kill. Beautiful Kill. Yeah. So we we know what 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 under what mm. underground complexes are like and mines are. So so it it, it and computer it, games. I, I and I think it sits well with those two as far as far as that's concerned. Yeah. But it's a great concept, Rue Repento, though, because yeah. also because it's it's a completely believable idea. Yeah, it's and the like, warden's great. Because the warden's great. The, the, the Klingons are cheap. They're unremittingly cheap. That's why Praxis has exploded in the first place. So they send their their their, their prisoners to a dilithium mining thing, and they think, well, we won't bother building the stockades and stuff because, like, who's going to escape? You know, I mean, like, there's nowhere to go, and 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 so that means they get away with being cheap. But it also means that we can believe the escape attempt mm. as well. It, it, it Allows the audience to believe that the escape attempt isn't isn't so hokey, and the double cross as well. So and the double cross yeah. is also believable, yeah. and the way that they and they do, in fairness, they do have to spell that out to the audience. <laughs> well. But in fact, we they didn't need to spell it out to you. But yeah, a, 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 a word for the warden, um, William Morgan Shepherd. I mean, I, I mean. If you've watched a lot of, U- of US TV, you'll have seen this guy about in, in genre fiction, uh, and, and he's superb. And, and he just has that in his speech at the, as he as as they're entering Ruapente is absolutely superb. Um, he's got a great gravelly voice, incredible, so much gravel, an <laughs> yeah. unbelievable amount of gravel. Because he's British, isn't he? He is. I he is. is. He? Yeah, I he didn't realise that. He is, and his his son uh, is also in genre TV. Um, uh, TV series Supernatural. Oh right, he played the sort of the the, uh, the John Constantine character, the ain't the fallen angel. Yeah, he's from that. London. Yeah, yeah but um, you're right. He's in. The, he's in. The, uh, uh, you guys don't like NCIS. It's my. It's 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 my <laughs> fatal weakness. He plays an East European war criminal in uh, in in an episode of an old. East European war criminal in an episode in which he's being interrogated by David McCallum's character by then. So there's this great scene between him and David McCallum in this in the in that episode. And it is it's truly memorable and he's chilling. He's utterly, utterly chilling. He's such a good Graham and I were talking about character actors on our mm. James Bond podcast and the value of character mm. actors of having them because you don't you don't need to give they don't need to method this kind of stuff. They can just like do it. They just give them the script and away they go because it's kind of all they do, but my God, yeah. there's so much value. Need actors like that, yeah. but just because to get stuff done. Yeah, take take three or four lines and and do your best with them, and yeah. they do. And there's that's that's the real a, a really good thing about them. Uh, we should uh, while we're talking about about the prison scene, we should talk about Iman as well. Oh, yes, we should. Uh, but from a distance, she, and also <laughs> she is very good as an actress. She's she, brilliant. She's brilliant yeah, she's she brilliant. turns up and, do, and does really well. She does. She does her her scenes. Uh, all right, a lot of her scenes she doesn't do. She goes, there, there are other yeah. people, including William Shatner, which, <laughs> which is a great trope. We we love seeing that. That That's is a great Star Trek, Star Trek trope. Trope yeah. of, of of William Shatner meeting himself. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. And and the line, you know, I mean, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. Is yeah. very knowing, and yeah. and I'm sure everyone had fun with that one. And 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 it is. And got, yeah, she is great uh, yeah. in that, and and it's a it's a smart piece of casting as well, because yeah. I'm sure she brought she brought a few extra bones on seats as a consequence as well, um, and it's and and it's in, in, and she plays an important role in the in the movie. It's uh, the, again because very little is wasted in this film, so mm. everyone everyone's role matters. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't ever see David Bowie in a Star Trek. You know. <laughs> that would have been cool. You yeah, know, yeah, that uh, been considering cool. sort of like you know he was married to her, but. Um, 
you know, but there is a lot of humour that goes through this film, which is quite is 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 actually really refreshing to the last film. There was supposed to be humour in the last film, mm. you know. There is there is there is humour, but this seems even though there are lots of um, lead ups to the humour. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that they purposely put it in, but it doesn't look f- it it doesn't feel forced because there's a lot of love that goes behind the yeah. delivery of the humour. You know. I think a lot of the time that the 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 humor is used to diffuse the situation yes. yeah. which which is which is very helpful in a film like this because you, they are in situations that that can be very grim and 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 as we we've, we've said before the script can sometimes be 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 quite harsh so to actually have those bits of humor does rein it back in a bit and make it and still keep it give it that sort of entertaining quality about it um and also sort of just Keep it in a in in a range where we can we can make these turns. We can go to a different type of uh, to telling a different type of story, and not make it seem so rough or like we're we're taking a real deflection, which is what happened in the previous one, where it was just a bunch of stuff that happened. Uh, at least with this one, there is a thread that goes all the way through, and it it doesn't take a turn in it that you're not comfortable with. Mm. You're also dealing with 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 plot points and concepts that 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 are stretching up to the point of melodrama. Yeah. And if you're not careful, can yeah. just fall flat on the audience. So humor yeah. just helps to just take the heat out of that yeah. as well. And and and, and it's actually if anything reinforce the, the the script and the story's credibility yeah. by using them. And also as well it frees up the 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 guest stars. To, to to really go over the top, like it allows Christopher Plummer to go to keep doing this because there's humour in this film and it's not tacked on humour. No, but you don't get a lot of humour from him. You get some humour and it works really well from him. Mm. But also, all of his 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 lines uh, are come across and you, you you accept them even though they are a bit over the top. But you don't care because it's Christopher Plummer. It's Christopher Plummer. Yeah. he's playing a Klingon commander. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> I mean, he was in many ways born to play that role, and well, I mean, it's it was meant to be Jack Palance, wasn't it? Was it really? Yeah, I didn't know. It that. was meant to be Jack oh, Palance, I apparently, think, wasn't it? No, Gorkon was supposed to be Jack Palance. Ah, right, that was it. But well, he went on to to do City Slickers, didn't he? Did he? Okay. Yeah, that's why he couldn't oh. do it. Apparently, okay, well, and he which he won the Oscar for. Yeah, so he made the right he choice. Made the right <laughs> choice. Yeah. He chose wisely. He chose wisely. Yeah, yeah. But you know, because we we've had David Warner was in. The previous yes, one, obviously, yeah, all the yeah. Trekkies who would have watched I, it would have gone, "Oh, he's him again." And <laughs> I saw that as 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 a, as a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of like a, a sideswipe just to the previous movie and say that we're completely ignoring this film because <laughs> it is a direct link. I mean, like you've got you've got direct link to Star Trek Four. You've got Cartwright in this movie. You've yeah. got the Klingon ambassador in this movie. There's a clear links to yeah. if they got the original guy back from from who played the president. You know, if he'd been available, I'm sure they probably would have got him in as well maybe but you know so it's definitely has gone from four to six you know rather than and and five's been not completely ignored but but more or less ignored there's well, no, I think there's no reference to five in this movie. no not at all uh, the president of course Kurtwood Smith another great um, Star Trek character actor as yeah well. who turns up in numerous different yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and and always a, 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 a tremendous value as well and it's 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 good to see there's some interesting um, deleted um, the theatrical version uh, the director's cut has got some extra scenes uh, in the president's office 
uh, featuring René Aubergenois uh, as well, another obviously a great Star Trek stalwart who was kind of written out of the theatrical version, and I think probably for the right reasons as well. Um, and and but there is some there's some really nice scenes in uh, moments in there. Uh, there's the there's the 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 byplay with the ambassadors and with with the president are extended slightly, and that's not, that's quite good. And also there's a nice bit also where the CNC turns around to him as he's leaving to test the president. You know, these men literally saved our planet, mm-hmm. and and he, and the president says yes. And they're going to save it again by standing trial, and that's nice. And it's good that they put that back into the director's edition, but it's out of the theatrical cut. Um, but there's quite a bit of stuff in the theatrical cut that I think is, you know, I think the theatrical cut is the better version for my money. Mm. Yeah, that that whole Colonel West thing. Um, <laughs> uh, you can see why they don't. It's a, it's a, it's a very a very it's not it's not a very subtle joke, is it? About like like Colonel West, Colonel North, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's, the, it's yeah. the the direct relation, isn't it? It yeah. is a, it is a touch on the nose, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, also because these scenes are just silly. I mean, the Scooby Doo ending, I don't like. I think <laughs> I think you've got a different view. But I mean, I, I no no I I I I, 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 was, <laughs> I was watching the theatrical version, and I was just a bit disappointed. Oh, I see. That it wasn't the in there because I remember watching this on VHS and it what must have been the director's cut yeah. and seeing all of these bits and pieces um you know uh, but, but but as well I remember that and that I remember watching it I think I was I was probably with you at the time and, and watching it for the first time at the cinema and thinking well hang about that 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 Klingon's blood is red exactly yeah that was and they they didn't have the like the fingers in the blood that you get with the the director's but uh, but they did yeah no it's it's a yeah well it is because I think it just looked a bit I don't think it's particularly well executed and so they just thought but also because and they I mean I don't I think they might have got rid of the, uh, the earlier Colonel West scene where he's got his flip chart He's got this bloody flip chart. There is so much paper in this film. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and he's like, like so and he's turning over these pages, and it's like it's the twenty third century, and you're doing a presentation to the president of the United yeah. Federation, and you've got a paper flip chart well, remember, and a laser pointer. It, 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 it doesn't matter. It's replicated, so it could be produced from anything. The, it's not. No trees were harmed in the this. The daft thing is, is that there's a scene in I don't know. I can't remember whether this is in the theatrical version of the video or the director's version. The scene immediately after, back in the president's office. And he's got like a load of luminaries in there, including like foreign dignitaries and stuff like that. And the flip chart is still there, <laughs> the, which has the plans on how to extract Kirk and McCoy from Ruin. It's like, what are you doing? You're giving away Easter. Not only are you doing it on paper, but you've forgotten to take uh, your flip well, it get, chart. It gets with you. worse than that because the, the, the theatrical, fo- uh, sorry, the director's cut, when they're discussing how to, um, to, to rescue uh, Kirk and uh, McCoy. You know, when you've got the heads of staff around, you've got the you've got Romulan ambassadors standing the Romulan there while they're discussing. He's still in there. Yeah, which <laughs> no is one, really no odd. one noticed him. Yeah, he's, <laughs> still, he's still there. And it's like he said, "Now's the time, Mr. President, to strike." It's like you're a fucking Romulan. Get out of my office. It's really odd. I mean, you know, I mean, whatever. It is, yeah. This is Star Trek fandom stuff. It's it not uh, the audience is not. But we like really to have a laugh at it. it. But anyway. it is worth. It's that is a Star Trek park. It's worth pointing out these little inequalities but the paper the funniest thing the paper Scotty Scotty with Scotty, his rolled out plans he's got he's like he's roll out plans he's like not using like, he's like not using a tablet at all no 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 just like using paper you know and like this is 1991 and like we've all this stuff was done electronically in the 60s and like you know it's like 
and then of course the books when they're translating yeah the Klingon oh yeah the big, it's hilarious yeah. they're going through the where did the, do these are these books like under Uhura's desk or something like that? Is <laughs> yeah. that what it is? Well, think, think <laughs> just think them well. out. It's, like... it's, it's, it's on one, one of the computer screens. You can see the translation coming up as well. Yeah. Yes, that's how it was meant to be in the original version. And then Nick Meyer thought, oh no, no, but we'll get the books. We need more books. It'll be funnier. More, more comedy. And it does. <laughs> well, it, it totally it is, works. It totally works as far as comedy. It's, well, it's, but, and it's clearly a Nick Meyer thing. Yeah. But Nick Meyer is a, is a very much into his kind of nautical themes. You see it in Rafa yeah, yeah. Khan. It's it's in here, particularly in the in the Excelsior opening sequences, which are very, very exciting sequences, mm. and he's, he's he he does that, and I just think he likes that touch of retro, yeah, uh, in amongst all this super modernity and futurism. Well, you can see that in the in the um, the crew quarters uh, and mm-hmm. the and uh, the mess as well, uh, and, the, and 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 the galley as well. Yes. Uh, certainly the galley, where where the wall furniture basically looks like a. a Contemporary uh, warship, doesn't it? Yeah, really. That's, yeah. it's got that whole sort of feel about mm. it. And also, you, in, you're in the kitchen. You also have phasers in the corner as well. Yeah, yeah. You must yeah, have. This, you must have phasers. Yeah, well, that's the for your creme brulee. You see, oh, course, yeah. <laughs> but you have to set them on stand, though, right? You, you're like, okay, oh, just yeah. stand the brulee. Otherwise, you set, set the alarm off. That's what you set them on. Love it. Well, it doesn't set off the alarm. Doesn't set off the alarm. Doesn't set off the alarm that way. But it's, it's not very good in a, in a combat situation. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. Damn, I've got it on camera. <laughs> but this is this is pure nightmare. I'm slightly toasted. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I mean, the officers have got all their medals and stuff like yeah. that, and like in, and and, it was, and this is definitely Nick Meyer. He like he saw Star Trek as being far more military, and Starfleet as being far more military. Whereas other Star Trek creators have gone well no actually this is a we're a non-military and we mm. don't we don't we don't display our weapons you, you know yeah, you, you do get a little bit of that in the in the in the conference room don't don't, don't you when they're when they're when they're, they're talking about well the, the scientific thing will still go ahead you know yeah. we'll still, they'll, they'll still oh so yeah absolutely there's that slight sort of nod to that, that yeah conversation which, yeah but i mean like 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 tos of old is like no this is this is predominantly a not a civilian, but it's a non-military and enterprise going to this massively. But TOS was sort of said we are a, we are scientific in mm. outlook. But I think that we get away with this one because it's just a movie, but also because I think that it also helps reinforce the the journey that the that Starfleet has been on, and and that, you know, in particular Kirk has been on, who has been on this sort of, you know, he's he's the in uh, in. I've made this comparison, this this reference before, but um, in Balance of Terror, where he upbraids Styles for anti-Romulan bigotry, and in 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 and in, in the first season of TOS, to Star Trek Six, where he hates Klingons because of the fact that because of his experience of 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 them, and 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 the fact that they murdered one of the, one of them murdered his son, and he can't separate the one from from the many because he's probably been governed too much and it helps to i think to help reinforce that and i think that that's the that's the the the, the probably the powerful subtext of the of the movie and why this why this movie for me in that respect does work quite well but but like a lot of movies about racism that are made by mostly white men it doesn't always completely no. land sadly no. no but you do get from shatner you do get some some really passionate 
you know dialogue that he delivers you know when when it, when it's about the sort of the because he starts off you it does seem when he starts off that you think that he's actually just a racist dickhead mm. you know right at the beginning and it's amplified by all of the racism that you that is around more so than you've ever seen before you know so it does feel that yeah, it's the, jarring it's yeah. jarring yes you know uh, and, and and Shatner actually does a great job of of delivering it and and it does feel as you go through the whole film right to the end that there has that be, been that really big turn point and come round to it. Yeah, you know? I think the film succeeds in that. Yeah, but mm. but only just and and it sails bloody close to the wind with some of those racist tropes that that are in the dialogue of of of, of the movie and 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 you know um, yeah and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised or blame anyone for for not for, for for taking against the film because of that frankly, because I think that, you know, it's it's very much down to your sensibilities. There is, of course, another um, very controversial sequence in this movie as well, and that's the interrogation of Valerius yeah. as well. Oh, the yes. Film. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The waterboarding of, of yeah. Valerius. Basically. I mean, that's that's appalling. Yeah. And it's I think it's the only time it's ever used, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think that there is, there is a, a mind meld... Um, a forced mind meld. Well, it's basically mind. a rape. Yeah, yeah. Enough, yeah. I mean yes. a rape, but it's certainly a violation. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 ghastly. Yeah, and I'm not certain. I think it's probably one of the things about the film that I and it always checks me out. Of course, it's very difficult to recover mm. from, particularly given, you know, well anyway. So I don't know really what I, I think that. I I always enjoy watching this movie, and then I get to this point, and I always think. Maybe I shouldn't like this film because this sequence is yeah. really bad. Yeah, uh, and it's not something that's talked about a lot. Maybe the Star Trek fans they just forgive it because they enjoy the rest of the movie so much. It, it is difficult though because it is uh, the concept of it doesn't exist in the real world. No, you can't true. literally go up and mind meld with someone. No, and, you can't. and so you don't know what the what the what the process is. You mm. don't know what the damage is, but. It's the concept of it. It's mm. the, the the concept of, of being stripped away of of everything mm. because you've got everything is 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 available then, mm. and it is it, it's. I think we can't understand the the mechanics of it, but the concept of it is something that that we can find deeply unsettling. And well, it's violence against women, isn't it? It, it is ultimately. Yeah, it is, and that's 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 one of the the, the main features, and I think especially something that we are perhaps more sensitive to nowadays as well that does not that makes that seem harder as we go on rather mm. than than anything else and but, i think that's that's the problem with a lot of the the problem with the with the racist lines if you're white in 1991 you probably wouldn't have seen any of the problems with no. the, mm. the, the 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 uh the actors uh people of color were having with with the lines um nowadays I don't think that would that would pass uh, the first stage of of, no. of editing um, in, in there, and this scene would not. Have, or else, if it had got in there, it would have. There would have been consequences for it. I was actually surprised about the scene mainly because of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, if he's, he's writing this, yeah. then yeah. and and he suddenly thought that this is something that his character would do. He thinks so. this is something that Spock would do. Yeah, I mean, he shows remorse immediately afterwards, but I don't think that that's enough. Yeah. Um, and and in and I mean it isn't. I don't think it's justifiable. Even in, in the story, it was an entirely unnecessary scene, and it was incredibly brutal. They could have softened it, I suppose, by by having some kind of otherworldly sort of like you know, visualization of what was going of the mental battle that was going yeah. on there, and that might have 
but I mean, it didn't. It looked for all. It it looked like a man being unremittingly violent to a woman, uh, yeah. and it was disgusting. Um, and 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 it, and yeah. And I think you're right, though, Graham. I think you're right. I think I think that in 1991, I, I think we were still many of us were still naive to this. Yeah. I think we know a lot more now, and that maybe that's the that's why it hasn't aged so well. I think as well. This is also before the it came out that the the US were using torture as a as right as as uh, well as a matter of course um during the uh the the the, the wars that were to come mm-hmm. uh so there wasn't that sensitivity to 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 torture i mean it is well it, it's it's like a, a very lazy fan option of 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 what to do when when you want to find out something yeah, yeah. oh yeah why don't why I don't want to stop, like my, just mind melt with it. But it's very physical. Yeah, yeah but exactly. But in, in yeah. every time you've seen mind melts before, they've been this sort of consensual thing, and there is this whole sort of non-consensual thing in there that really, really makes it up, makes mm-hmm. it worse. And the fact that it's between a male character and a female character as well, that just doubles it as well. And it's just horrible. It's just yeah. there is just no, there's no excuse for it. There's and. There, there's no redeeming feature from it at all, I mean, because it is passed immediately afterwards and completely mm-hmm. forgotten as well. It is, yeah, which is, absolutely. Which is the worst thing for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, g- going back to sort of like the, the relationship between characters, the uh, McCoy, sorry, not McCoy, sorry, Spock and uh, Valerius uh, as well. I always found that that actually to be a bit of a weird, weird thing anyway, because. As we mentioned, it was supposed to be Savick who was supposed to be in this, um, and Kirstie Alley. They uh, may have wanted Kirstie Alley to come back for it, um, but she was doing well in. in uh, was Cheers still on? Was it in Cheers? Was, maybe. But she was, she'd done. Uh, she'd done talking Cheers. About, uh, oh, uh, look at oh, yeah, Cheers. So yeah, she was doing like movies and stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. So she was perhaps probably at the peak of her powers around that yeah. Sort of time. Yeah. So yeah, so that didn't come up. Um, but the relationship between the, the the character of Spock and Valerius, I found a little bit troubling anyway, yeah. <laughs> because well, it seemed to be a, 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 a grooming sort of yeah. thing. Well, Kim Cattrall was meant to be Savick, wasn't she? Apparently, was she? I, I, I think okay. so. Oh, is that right? So she was yeah. cast as Savick, and then it was relatively late in the day. Well, she no, but different for 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 two. Oh, I see. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, so all I, the way back. So, I remember that. Yeah, and, you're and, right. Yeah. And she couldn't actually. She couldn't make two. She couldn't make make three either uh, because she was doing other films. And um, uh, but she she didn't want to come in and be Savick in four because Savick was had already been changed. So many one. times, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that's, that's, well, that's inter- interesting. Yeah, but it is a she is a it, 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 the. the She's got some great moments in it, yeah. uh, and when she's when she when before we realise who she is, she has she has some great moments. There's some real. There's also a great deal of humour and character. She brings an awful lot to that character, and it is disappointing what happens with Valerius in 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 every in every respect. Oh, completely fine with the idea of her being a turncoat. No worries mm. there. That's but all good. Yeah. But I mean the manner with which oh, she's the talking. idea of twisted logic being that yeah. that, that that comes up with with her plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cottrell was really into the character because she's a Star Trek fan. Yeah. And, you know, she put a lot of effort into what she was, you know, how she looked as well. Yeah. Um, but there is a case in point when I'm going back to Leonard Nimoy, um, you had the uh, um, set photography. So you're doing the promo photography. And she 
being the, the beautiful woman that she was, she did quite a few saucy pictures. This as this is meant to be hilarious. an urban myth, isn't this? this well, one. this is. Have what, you seen the pictures? No, because well, <laughs> apparently, apparently Nimoy got really, yeah, really angry about this whole them. thing and stopped it. But there's there, there's no evidence this it's ever happened. Kim Cattrall d- doesn't hasn't said anything. Apparently, it's a ah, bigger. Okay, myth. so maybe it is. Yeah. You know, supposedly. Because <laughs> like this, this Well, Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy did mess around with the production. He was the executive producer on yeah. this, and there was quite a few few things, even to the end, which Mayo got really peeved off about because he did see that it was the end of the franchise with with the the trio. Um, the end sequence. I'm mean, we're going straight to the end. But the end sequence with the uh, hand, uh, the signatures. They literally sign, sign off. off. Yeah. <laughs> I literally sign off. Originally, sort of, Mayer wanted them to sign off with, with, with Kirk and Spock. Oh, nice. And McCoy. Mm. And just have the free. Leonard, Leonard saw that and thought, oh, it's a great idea. Let's do it for, the, for all of the cast, but we'll do it with our, our names in order of us appearing. Mm. Which is nice as well. Mm. But it actually got up Mayer's nose right. anyway, so... Yeah, yeah but, I'm uh, fairly but, ambivalent about that sign off. It's 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 all right, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it goes down well with a certain audience, I think. But I don't know. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, but Leonard Nimoy did have a very active role in that in, in the whole of this, and so it is quite interesting how, as well as being a creative um, director as such or producer. Um, he, you know, the, the way he treated Spock, his character, was a little bit jarring from, you know, uh, before, you know, of what he said about mm-hmm. Spock because he had such a love for the character. But I did find one really good thing about it is, is that by splitting up Spock from McCoy and um, uh, and uh, Kirk, you 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 know, you created a, a nice dine, you know, sort of like t- the two layered system was yeah. actually really good, and seeing Spock as a really sort of of a completely strong character in control of all the other members. Yeah, of the being cast. the captain. Mm. Yeah. And and, it, and they're freeing up spare time for for the for the ensemble as well. Yeah. Because it's a nice ensemble piece in, in, in that respect too. It, it's one of the, the, the rare times in the films that you, you see Spock behaving like Spock in, in the T V series, mm. coming up with with solutions and the and and basically it halfway through be it being enacted by the time anyone else has caught up with it. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It, it 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 is a very very good. It's a very good performance from him. Yes. there are just these these things that override that that, mm-hmm. that really yeah, do sadly. unsettle. And I mean, we also get some nice McCoy uh, Bones and Bones and Kirk time as well um, in in the movie franchise with with the sequence on Repente, which is which is nice as well because they <laughs> they are old friends. And again, it's a it's a, it's the last adventure. So. So it's sort of though you know that's that's nice for fans I think as well to enjoy and appreciate those moments. Again, we we go up and down. I mean, the thing about being Star Trek fans is what we always do. We 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 do dissect it and we pull it apart for all the bits that we don't like. But you know, we've we've always got to come back to it. Did we actually enjoy the film? Bracely Whitney, we've got to say. Yes, of oh. course. A cameo with Great Great from Grace Lee Whitney as yeah. well, which is great. Which yeah. is great. But and it's things like that that say yes. Yeah, I do enjoy the film. There was plenty to enjoy about this film. It's mm. a very very enjoyable romp. Um, it's the the things that that detract from it are not easily ignored. You cannot easily 
say, oh, well, yeah, there's that bit in it. Which is, mm. But, you know, it, it, the, I don't find myself thinking now, having seen this, first time I've seen this in a very, very long time. And I don't think I'm going to watch it again. So that's that's sort of, that's what it is to me. It's something that I, I'm, I'm happy exists, but I don't feel the need to ever watch it. Um, which I don't know what that says, but it it it, it it's 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 right at the end of of of, of the film of the movies. I will go back and watch Star Trek Two. I'll go back and watch Star Trek Four, but I'm not going to go back and watch Star Trek Six. I don't think because I could be watching Star Trek Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just so much else to watch, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm 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 much better better disposed towards the movie. Um, yeah. I still very much like it, but although this experience of talking about it for nearly an hour, uh, and then we reflect on the bad parts of the movie, do hit harder. I think after having spoken about them, and it does colour the film um, um, uh, uh, far more than 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 I would like it to. But I I still find it a, a very satisfying Star Trek film to watch although it's not one that I watch too often but I do but but I could I can understand why it rates very highly amongst Star Trek fans um, and and it falls into the kind of even number principle of Star Trek movies is that the even number ones are the best ones and the odd number ones are the other stinkers so mm-hmm. so it plays into that quite nicely as but well you, yeah you're right but I think that's a lot of that is down to the fact of, of it just gives fans so much, especially if you if you like the world building stuff. This is especially looking behind the curtain at the at, at Klingons because it gives you so much about who the Klingons are in this. Yeah, even though I don't think um, uh, Roddenberry at least was 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 very happy with the portrayal of, of the Klingons in this. I mean, unfortunately, from what I've uh, read, he wasn't very happy with this when he was in health when he was see, you know seeing the script and everything yeah. um and unfortunately because he he died before the film was theatrically released yeah he saw it he saw it as well this is the sad bit they yeah. say that, that his nurse said that they troll rolled him out there to watch this sort of like you know pre yeah pre-made film and he was not in good health to actually sort of like focus yeah. on it anyway. Yeah. And this was two right. days before he died. Yeah, it's very sad. You yeah. know, and the relationship between Mayer and Roddenberry had actually sort of like also uh, had some problems because there was a, a massive argument between the two. And the next day, Roddenberry had the, the, the major heart attack. Right. And he sort of blames himself for a bit of that because of right. And it was about the film, mm. you know. So, right. yeah. Okay. Know. You know, so on a, on a downer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, it, it is interesting coming back to these films and 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 also dissecting them to find out the bits that we do like because we do like Star Trek, you know, as as a, a whole piece of work, you know, and that's why we keep coming back to it and rewatching it, even though you won't watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not. But I think it's it for for me that you you can see a lot in this film that. It has been taken on and used in in Star Trek mm. going forward, uh, and a lot of the stuff in there that you sort of think, well, yeah, that was of its time, but that that stuff, no, that that that, that stuff's gone throughout there. They've they've come back to this one over and over again, uh, which is which is really good. Uh, and uh, uh, one other little story I heard was when they when they're sitting down at the dinner table, um, uh, the. 
Now, the thing about actors is when, when, they're, when they're doing a dinner scene is actors don't eat during dinner scenes um, because if you, if you take a bite of food to eat, you've got to do that in every take. Sure, yeah, of course. So yeah. if it takes a lot of takes, you're going to be stuffing your face right. <laughs> with food all day long. And so, but Nick Meyer wanted someone to be to to be, at least one of the actors to be to be eating or showing that they were eating the food. So he offered them for every take they were going to do, he'd offer them twenty dollars uh, to to eat something. And the only person who took him up on that was Shatner. Oh really? I was I was expecting Scotty would maybe <laughs> no, that. Shatner took him up on it, but apparently Mayer never never paid him for it. Ah, oh, <laughs> that's gonna burn. I reckon Shatner probably still still thinks about that now. It still burns. Yeah, yeah. still owe me. It's still texting him it's now. Prob- probably because it's about a thousand bucks or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking, boss. Only joking, boss. <laughs> Oh, and, and on that note, I think it's probably time for us to actually go for lunch, actually, because we've got some lovely yeah. <laughs> lovely sausage rolls that uh, Graham won't be paying us $20, 20 a, a bite. But, uh, but uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, so it's from goodbye from me, Derek, and goodbye from Terry. Goodbye. And goodbye from Graham. Goodbye. Goodbye.